Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? What a note say, Dan. Cat dead. Details later. See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. What's up, guys and gals? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trashmouth Mills. And this week, my guest is the one and only Alan Cassidy, drummer for the band Slugge in the Black Dahlia Murder. Now, I don't really have any new news this week. However, if you want to show some support for the podcast, you can do it by either picking up a shirt or signing up for the Patreon. The link for both of those is in the description. Or you can do it their free way by just going and following me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or leaving a review if you're an Apple user. So either way, the support means a ton. Thank you guys again, and here's this week's interview. But now I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Uh, we can hop into the podcast if you're ready yeah i'm good to go oh yeah i usually just start with a few music questions before diving into the horror stuff just kind of to see you know what's going on with you and stuff you guys drop uh verminous back you know right as covid was pretty much kicking off how does it feel now to be able to kind of get back on the road and play some of that stuff live you know the stuff that you didn't get a chance to before it's cool but it's also really weird because it's been so long since it came out and yeah generally by this time we would sort of kind of be wrapping it up to, to be able to like release the next thing. But I mean, I guess it came out late anyway. So it feels like we should be doing that. But I guess we would technically have another year on the material. So yeah, it, it almost feels like busting out, you know, old material again. Because we've already played these songs a few times. But, uh, you know, this will be like the first time actually getting to tour on it. So yeah, yeah it feels new but old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I know exactly what you mean. Usually you're used to a certain like turnaround time before you, uh, like you said, you like get out of the studio and there's only a couple months before you're hitting the road with that album. It's been like probably three or four times as long from what you're used to like waiting and shit. Yeah, this is definitely like a very strange situation. And it's also weird to be like preparing to actually play shows again since, uh, you know, we've just been sitting around for so long and I haven't had like, anything to get ready for on drums which is unusual because that hasn't been the case for the last like almost 10 years <laughs> oh yeah now and do you have a uh, a song from the album that you didn't play before that you're like most excited to finally get to play this time around or well we uh are just going to be kind of playing like the singles or like the songs that if anybody saw yule all we're just playing those and then like once we get a little bit further into the album cycle we'll start doing some of the more deep cuts and so we're not playing my personal favorite this run which is uh leather apron scorn but um i'm definitely gonna be stoked to bust that out whenever we do oh yeah hopefully you guys dive into uh wereworms feast eventually (laughs) oh god i'm uh dreading that one (laughs) of the whole uh freak out part at the end of the song where it's just me and brandon going nuts yeah no that's just awesome that's That's a lot to that's a lot to do live or at least like, you know, a lot of crap to play. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean, especially like mid set or like towards the end of the set or something like that. You know what I mean? After you've already been playing for an hour or so or at least 30 minutes or so. Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. And then you also play in another band uh, called, was it Slugge? 
How do you? Yeah, yeah. Anything going on with that that you can talk about or? Uh, so I guess uh, things are starting to move again. It was a very long, difficult, drawn out situation because uh, they're from the UK. It's, mm. it's just Matt and Kev, the two who started the band. Um, and then actually, like in 2018, they also added a bass player. And uh, so now, like they haven't been able to or they hadn't been able to get together to write music for a while because England was constantly in and out of lockdown. And um, that would mean like not allowing travel between certain areas of the country. Yeah. And so they had to basically wait till you know the lockdowns were let up and uh the travel was allowed and and uh because they work best you know together in the same room and everything so now i guess like they've either found a way around it or they're just kind of working with what they can and uh yeah so th things are starting to move now just not sure like you know when an ETA is on anything, we're just, they're just kind of trying to get the material written first and then, you know, go from there. Now, especially with like uh, the like scariness of things kind of going backwards a little bit, like nothing's really like starting to go too far backwards, but you know, like some places are just like, Hey, put masks back on and, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, you know, there's always the scare of at least not being able to go overseas. You know, I'm sure they won't stop travel within the U.S. again, not for a while, you know, unless it gets really bad. But as far as traveling overseas would probably definitely be difficult for a good bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would like to go visit the dudes and hang out and stuff, but I probably for, you know, logistical reasons will not <laughs> be yeah. doing that. I'll probably, you know, emailing things back and forth with them, which is fine. But uh, yeah, I'm just glad that they can get, you know, what they need to do done because they are the core of the band you know i don't have a problem sitting here and, and bouncing my ideas off of them it just it'd be cool to be in the same room and jam and whatever but uh just i don't think that that's gonna happen if we can't get together for a few months yeah no definitely well hell yeah i'm glad to at least hear that it's starting to you know uh pick back up a little bit you know what i mean yeah me too because i uh i'm really looking forward to doing some stuff with them they i i love the material that they've written i mean like all their albums are just like fantastic and uh yeah it's just gonna give me another opportunity and outlet to get to do more stuff and uh you know like just play more drums so i'm, I'm stoked oh yeah and uh lastly before we hop into the horror movies and stuff uh you do some uh, twitch streaming as well if i'm not mistaken yeah, I just got into that recently, and I am kind of limited in what I'm doing right now. I only have a PS4 camera, okay. and so all I'm doing is just gaming and uh, just kind of picking games that, like, I want to play, but I'm also, you know, allowing people to kind of choose what we're, what they're watching with some polls and stuff but uh yeah so in the future i would like to get a little bit more set up with you know like drums and add some more like stuff to it just hmm. more professional aspects and whatnot so we'll see how it goes i've got a month before tour so i don't think we'll get too far with that yet but in the future hell yeah and uh, uh what's your uh, your tag for it you know so people can come check you out on your uh your, your stream uh, name it's um alan cassidy tbdm hell yeah no, definitely. I know what you mean, though. Like, uh, like eventually you want to get to where you can do like playthroughs and just like drum, you know, jamming and like lessons and shit like that. That'd be pretty cool for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I have no hardly any clue about like 
Twitch. You know, this is my yeah. first real experience with it, whether it's um, using it for myself or just even kind of exploring it and checking it out. You know, there's like so much stuff that I still don't know. I was looking up literally yesterday, like, what are channel points and what is this bonus, you know, package that I get for like every 10 minutes or whatever. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely still figuring things out right now. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm confused every time I go on Twitch. Cause sometimes I'll go up there and either watch it's like a buddy of mine that I know does it or like somebody that I, you know, that I'm just a fan of. But every time I get up there, I'm like, what the hell is all this shit? And then uh, I've tried to switch before myself, but uh, I was like having so much trouble. I was like, uh, I didn't really like want to get into it. I was just trying to play like some horror games every now and then to kind of coincide with the podcast thing, you know? Like not become like a full uh, Twitch or whatever. And um, but it was just so difficult. I was like, ah, I'll wait, I'll wait and do that later on down the road or something. But well, I'm glad it wasn't just me because I feel like I'm super late to the game and everyone else is like, bro, this is what we've been doing since like before the pandemic, and then definitely during it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I uh I was up there one night. Um, what's his damn oh Tim? He's got the same name as me, Tim from uh <laughs> Fit for an autopsy was doing uh watching Hellraiser one night, so I jumped up there and watched that with him, but I would definitely like to do that. Uh, people have not really um, expressed much interest in it, even though I would like to uh, watch movies with people. Mm. Um, I don't know, you know, what's all available. I, I guess it's just the uh, the Amazon Prime movies that are offered at the moment. But like, yeah, I would like to watch some shit with people. I think that's fun. I like just, you know bullshitting about movies and watching with people but so far we're just gaming so i i think maybe a movie party will be you know in the nearest future since that's another easy thing to do at the moment oh yeah no and i think uh like you said that yeah it was uh, amazon prime like we all had to like log in and shit like that but it was uh it was definitely pretty cool and it ran pretty smooth you know at least as far as it seemed you know you know as far as like uh like when they reacted to the movie it seemed like it was about the same part you know that i was at as being part of the audience you know right and i wish that i could uh talk while the movie was going but apparently even the host can only type in so that's a little bit of a pain in the ass because you got a joke to make real quick and you have to like type it out and then the part's already over or whatever yeah no that is a struggle i used to do uh these watch parties with a group and that was like the biggest problem is like by the time you like like especially because i would do it on my phone but i'd be like watching the movie and doing the typing on my phone like by the time i pull up like a little touchscreen pad and type it i'm like i i don't care i like delete half of the stuff i was gonna say <laughs> like there's a million typos and it comes out all wrong <laughs> yeah are there's like something else that you thought to say that's like more relevant or somebody else said what you were gonna say because like they were quicker to it or whatever it's like God damn it. uh, yeah exactly yeah but, well hell yeah man i'm uh stoked for you to start you know that you started up doing that i'll definitely be tuning in for sure yeah, well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hell yeah. We can dive into the uh, horror movies if you're ready. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's do it. Let's get scary. <laughs> so uh, pretty much my first question is, is uh, you know, what was your relationship with horror movies growing up? And, you know, did it change as all as you, you know, got older and, you know, became an adult? So I think like horror movies to me was always like the forbidden fruit, you know, uh, yeah. you'd walk into you'd walk into Blockbuster and you'd walk through the movie aisles and then you just go see like all this nightmarish creepy scary looking stuff in in the horror aisle and um then of course since i'm not allowed to watch it that just makes me want to watch it even more and i don't know if i was like most other kids but like oh my god dude i all i had to do is just walk down the aisle and i'd get super creeped out i'm sure like if anybody fucking tapped me on the shoulder or something i'd probably like crap my pants but um 
yeah i get like nightmares from looking at the boxes and stuff and then like yeah like i never saw child's play till i was probably like 13 or 14 maybe and um i used to have horrible nightmares about chucky all the time and then i saw a trailer or yeah i saw like an advertisement on tv for leprechaun and that fucking scared the crap out of me and uh gave me a bunch of nightmares so i i feel like i don't know there was this weird part of me that was like terrified by it but so intrigued by it and then into my adult years getting to watch all these movies you know I feel like I'm finally getting to scratch that itch of like seeing all these titles that um I really wanted to know what they were about uh when I was a kid and you know some of them you're pleasantly surprised you're like this is fucking great and then other ones you're like this is a total dumpster fire and uh I wish I would have seen some of the dumpster fires when I was a kid, because I, I don't know, maybe I would have been scared, but also it might've alleviated some of my uh, fears because of just how bad it was. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Leprechaun is terrible. So <laughs> that I think it would have helped if I would have seen it. No, that was actually, uh, as soon as you said Leprechaun, that was when I was thinking is like, uh, it's crazy how like terrifying Leprechaun as a character is when you're a kid. But then as you get older, it's like, it's funny. Like he becomes the exact opposite to most people. You know what I mean? Like, like when I was young, uh, he scared the living shit out of me as well. But now that it's old, now that I'm older, I'm like, he's such a little goofy character. You know what I mean? It's like more of a fun thing. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of always disappointed me with, you know, horror. I mean, I know that there's like horror comedy and I totally don't have a problem with that. I, I love horror comedy, but at the same time, you know, Leprechaun and uh, Freddy Krueger is another one where I'm like, dude, the concept and the character design and everything about it is really fucking scary. But, like, when you've got both of these characters with just, like, terrible one-liners and, yeah. like, uh, Leprechaun can only speak in rhymes and then Freddy Krueger is just throwing bitch onto the end of every sentence, it's like, dude, come on. Like, you just took a great concept and just completely, you know, turned it laughable. Yeah. No, that's definitely, especially the problem with Freddy Krueger's, like, uh, later films, especially, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, like, 4, 5, and 6, is, it's like, even if the films are, like, they become... Like the first ones where he's a little bit more like first one and two where he's a little bit more serious and scary and stuff. You know, they're not really scary as an adult, but as a kid, they're like truly terrifying. But, you know, as you start to see like the later ones, like four, five and six, it takes away the terror of it. Like you said, because everything's like goofy and there's a joke at the end of every kill. And, you know, it's almost like a Marvel film where it's like every time something serious happens, it's like they got to crack a one liner joke. You know what I mean? It's like they were doing the same thing, but with these really horrific shit that didn't really need a joke at all, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and Nightmare on Elm Street, like the first couple has uh, definitely some really good kind of like realistic nightmare scares where like yeah. uh, the first one she's in the school and she sees her friend in the body bag. Like that's definitely creepy because it's just like everything appears normal, but there's like this one really weird out of the norm element to it. And um, yeah, that like keeps it scary, but... I don't know. Then Freddie kind of steps in and, and talks too much and kind of ruins it. <laughs> yeah. But even like his one liners in that film, it's like he does stuff like he chops his fingers off and he says, like, I am God and shit like that or, and stuff like that, which is like it's still like little one liners. But at least it like had a little bit of seriousness to him to where like by three, he's just like, welcome to primetime, bitch, which which that's yeah. like <laughs> it's fun and goofy. But which I, don't get me wrong. I love like three is one of my favorites, but it's my favorite in the way of like a campy 80s horror film. It's not in the way of like, oh, this movie's scary, which is, you know, what a horror film should be. So, right. Maybe my my 
the things that I wanted from it, you know, are different from what people appreciate about it. And, yeah. uh, and I like garbage stuff too. Like there's plenty of movies that everybody can agree is probably pretty bad, but I still enjoy for the entertainment factor. But like, that was just one where I, I wanted a little bit more out of it. Yeah. No, I definitely don't blame you at all. Especially when you hear like, especially with something that's got so much hype behind it, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's a such a huge franchise and it's always been that way. You know what I mean? So like, even when, we were younger it's not like it was like a new fresh thing it was still like you know massive so you know you hear about it and you hear about it and you think it's going to be the scariest film and then you watch it and you're like the shining was way scarier than this or you know something like that you know something that was actually like psychological yeah. and actually broke down like horror instead of having one-liners and you know stuff like that yeah and I, I feel like it's the age and you know whatever your uh specific weird you know quirks are for for being afraid of things yeah now, especially uh you have horror fans that watch horror movies to be scared and you got like the horror fans that like they watch the ones that are like always goofy well i mean not like there's most of the time there's most horror fans are both or whatever but you know you have some that uh like really just watch like the really goofy shit and i think that's why like freddy krueger like like stayed relevant you know what i mean like because of those types of fans and shit like that not the ones that were really looking for like some serious stuff which which is kind of i guess always a good thing because it kept like the like you said the horror comedy eventually kind of like grew out of stuff like freddy krueger and shit like that so yeah yeah completely oh yeah so do you uh would you say that you have a favorite horror film of all time or at least like a few because i know like horror there's like a ton of subgenres and a, you know like we said there's like you know serious there's goofy shit like that so um yeah so like Man, I would have to say I think my favorite horror movie of all time is The Brood Fuck from yeah. David Cronenberg. A friend of mine showed that to me many years ago. And oh, my God, like it's funny because I hadn't heard anybody say this until recently. But there's this podcast called uh, The Wizard and the Bruiser. It's like a last podcast on the left um, network show. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they've they've talked about it's just like deep dives into anything and everything pop culture, but uh, they've talked about, you know, many different horror movies and they were talking about like how scary um, characters were like Chucky and Leprechaun who were like child size that when you're a kid, they're like, you know, they're your height and, yeah. and they can crawl into all the places that you can hide and they can hide in those places. And like, that's what, you know, really scares the shit out of you. But, dude, I know that if I would have seen The Brood when I was a kid and it's, like, the little monster children that literally, like, kill everybody and look horrifying and all that, dude, I would have probably never slept again. So yeah. that movie was fucking amazing. I love the um, special effects, especially the end of the movie with the uh, reveal of the mother and um, the climax of the brood uh trying to kill the daughter yeah. and um being in the uh the little like guest house or whatever that is um and the daylight murder uh of the teacher was another thing like um daylight horror is so underdone most yeah. of the time you know like it, it, and i think that's like the least expected thing most of the time because it's like oh, all the safe stuff happens during the day and then the nights when everything gets bad but it's like Dude, they murder a fucking teacher in front of an entire classroom of kindergartners in broad daylight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that movie, I really enjoy. I fucking love The Thing. I saw The Thing when I was, uh, you know, pretty young. And uh, the special effects in it blew me away, even at that age. It wasn't so scary to me as it just was like, 
entertaining. And then like, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt more uh, drawn to a lot of those older looking movies so or i mean like the the practical effects and everything and um so i like you know some of the other uh john carpenter stuff um like uh they live i I don't know if i would really consider they live a horror movie but like i i like the the concept and and the effects and um what is it um prince of darkness is really good oh wait sorry i'm wearing a they live shirt right now (laughs) oh nice um (laughs) I don't think I meant Prince of Darkness. I meant uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, the uh, Sutter Kane um, one. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that one's got a lot of good monsters in it and stuff. I really enjoy, uh, one of my other top favorite movies is um, The Grudge. Hell yeah. And I know a lot of people don't like a lot of the like Japanese horror movies. And it's kind of like a concept of you watch a videotape, you die. You pick up the phone, you die. You... Um, you know, you use a camera, you die. And like, it's all kind of, oh, and then in the case of the grudge, you visit a house and you die. And, um, but man, there was something about the grudge, especially the like Sarah Michelle Geller one, where I felt like they took the best elements of the suspense from like the Japanese films and like the pop out gore scares of like the american films and they blended it so well together that like it's so creepy and so when the suspense is building and then you finally get the reveal of whatever it is it's like truly scary and then of course like there's no place to hide from this thing it will get you wherever you go yeah and uh so that always I, I thought was like really terrifying. I, I felt like the second one was even scarier than the first. So I kind of like the second one a little bit more as well. But I don't know. And then like Love Midnight Me Train, um, It Follows, Dead Alive is great for horror comedy. Oh, yeah. um, oh Event Horizon, um, Waxwork was really creative for an old one. And oh, 1980s, The Blob, that's oh, great. Yeah. So yeah, I could go on and on, but I mean, like a lot of those movies are definitely in that wheelhouse. Oh, and then two quick additions, uh, Frankenhooker and uh, Brain Damage. Oh yeah, um, Hen and Lauder. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was really pleasantly surprised to see his movies. I saw Basket Case last mm. and it was kind of like, not my favorite of his, but it was still good. But yeah, like as far as horror comedy goes, uh, Frankenhooker and Brain Damage are great. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Basket Case is probably my least favorite of his like big trilogies. Like it's, you know, it's not an actual trilogy, but a lot of people call it his, like his trilogy because it's like his big three films or whatever. Even though Basket Case actually has a trilogy, but now Basket Case is uh, my least favorite as well. I think Brain Damage is my favorite, but I also do really enjoy uh, Frankenhooker. Brain Damage is just so goofy and like some of the like trippy effects and shit like that. Plus the voice of Elmer and shit like that. Just like oh god, when he first. Yeah, when he first talks, I was just like, oh, my God, he has a voice. Like, we're going to get to hear this guy, like, I don't know, say shit throughout the movie. Like, that was just, I don't I thought it was going to be super cheesy and ridiculous, but it just, it plays into the movie so well that you're really not bothered by it. Yeah. Now, I also love how he puts the uh, two characters from Basket Case in Brain Damage. Like, he's got the... uh the one female that's the, uh, like, she's, like, the friend of the guy, uh, the brother from Basket Case. Uh, she's in the very beginning when the old couple's like opening the doors, like, where is he? And shit like that, like looking for Elmer. And then, uh, of course, okay. on, the, on the train at the very end, what's his name gets on the uh, train holding 
his basket with Belial in it, and like they're just sitting across from each other on the train for a minute, and then he just gets up and leaves. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I I've only seen a basket case like one and a half times, and the half time was like I was half watching it. So yeah, I didn't really catch all of that from the two times I've seen it. Yeah, that happens in in brain damage. So if you saw basket case afterwards, you probably wouldn't have noticed. It. You know what I mean? Because you would like uh, that's yeah, yeah. So uh, th- I happened to see him like reverse, but it was only because of uh, honestly, I think it's because I watched Basket Case and then I watched Joe Bob uh, last driving all the time on Shutter, and they finally showed brain damage. And that's when I finally got to watch that. So just because I kept putting it off and I was glad that they finally showed it because I was like, fuck, yeah, I shouldn't have been putting this shit off. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, uh, that was definitely one that I walked past in Blockbuster all the time and wanted to see. No, hell yeah. And then uh, kind of to go back real quick and mention the uh, the movie The Grudge that you're talking about. I completely agree. What's funny is uh, a few months back, I got a um, I'm an assistant manager at a movie theater and I got the job like back in February and it was like just opening up and shit like that. So I had to go up to Baltimore and train. I live down in Carolina. And um, so when I went up to Baltimore, I uh, was stuck in a hotel all weekend. So one of the movies I chose to watch one night was I was like, I'll just rewatch The Grudge. And I uh, it, I probably haven't watched it since it like first hit, you know, like DVD or whatever. And uh, I got to admit, it was scary as fuck. I was like, holy shit, I did not remember this being this scary. Like, like you said, the, some of the scenes, like when he's like putting his hand in the tub and he like he's trying to like hide the fact that the house is haunted from the family. And he's like pushing the like ghost down into the tub and shit like that. It's like, I don't know, shit like that is just fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. And and just the idea, like I said, that it's it's anywhere once you've been at the house and just like her being under the bed sheets, the girl's bed while she's in it. And like, uh. I felt like two, I mean, that movie did definitely scare the shit out of me at of at an older age. Like when yeah. I, you know, I saw it like when I was about 14 or 13 or something. And um, yeah, I was I was like really fucking surprised at how hard it hit me. And um, but the second one had two scenes in particular that I felt like can't be topped, or at least just no one is trying to do it. And it I don't know. I I just I feel like horror has so much to be desired too with like things that people hit in certain movies and fail to ever hit again. And um, the two scenes were like when the girl was in her room with the, with the windows taped up with the newspaper and like the newspaper falls and there's just like the eyes of the ghosts, like staring into her window. And, um, and then the second one that was super creepy because it's like daylight and you just don't really see it coming is when the girl goes to her like principal or her counselor or whatever. And she tells her about how um, she knows what happens to the, or happened to the girls that, that disappeared. And the counselor's like, what are you talking about? They're right here. And then all of a sudden it shows like, you know, like that bokeh effect where it's just her face, but you can see like something sitting next to her and then it does it on the other side. And then the girl just gets up and like, makes that god awful noise and it was just like so unsettling and, and it like lasts for so long you know like that build up of seeing everything but then like her just like staring at this girl and like making this weird loud noise and oh man it it really like you know hit a nerve with me <laughs> yeah no i know exactly what you mean it's like the films in the late like late 90s early 2000s weren't scared to like scare you in the daylight a little bit like uh, like even films now that are called like daylight horror, like Midsummer, is like there's not really those kind of scares like there was in movies like The Grudge or uh, even like uh, another good example is The Sixth Sense. Like the scene where he's in the uh, I don't yeah. know if you ever saw that, but when he's in the car with his mom and he's like 
it just like I, it was either his mom or somebody else, but it keeps showing like them from each perspective. And it goes back one time and there's just like a dead woman at the window. And it's like terrifying as shit. It's midday. Yeah, it's like- that movie, when I was uh, when I first watched it um, and I was younger, I literally had to shut it off at the scene where um, they were about to show the girl puking in the tent uh, because like everything before that had like scared the shit out of me so bad that I just couldn't even like stand to watch what was going to happen next <laughs> yeah no that was a movie it scared me too much when i was young i actually didn't finish it so i was older myself like i tried to watch it because <laughs> i was uh i love horror movies now like obviously but like uh when i was young i was terrified of them up until i hit about 11 or 12 but by that time that movie had aged a couple of years so you know you already know the plot twist and all that so you kind of keep putting it off but but now after watching it like i saw that scene when i was young the woman standing out the window and i think that was probably when i was like yeah fuck this movie <laughs> like yeah, it, it definitely, like, there was a number of, I, I don't know exactly why it was so good. I think it was because it hit those, un, or it scared you in those unexpected times, and, and um, the reveals of stuff was just really creepy. Like, the kid who just shows up and he's like, hey, you want to see my dad's gun? He just turns around and has, like, a giant bullet hole, or a, like, blown out head in the back, and you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah. No, that's one thing that I really liked is they created that device of like being able to use like different perspectives, you know, because the kid could see ghosts and like other people couldn't. So it's like they like they had reason for every jump scare at that point. You know what I mean? There was no like jump scare without it being like a reason behind it. You know, it wasn't just like music cues and shit like some of these newer movies where it's like nothing even happens. It's just the violin slamming and the, you know, composed music in the background that makes you jump and shit. And I don't think there were any, like, super cliche, you know, reveals like, oh, I'm brushing my teeth in the mirror, and then I open the cabinet to grab something, and then I shut the wind or the mirror again, and there's something behind me now. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It was one, It was always, like, like right in front of the fa- like your face, or, like, it'd be, like, in the room with them or something like that, you know what I mean? Like you said, in the scene in The Grudge, too, when they were in, you know, the in the... Uh, the classroom or the uh, principal. I can't remember if it's in the office or the, the actual room, but uh, like the, uh, the the people hanging in the in the school. Yeah. Well, no, I was talking about. Nah. Actually, I was going back to what you were mentioning with the grudge. Oh, the too. grudge. Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Um. Yeah. That's uh, like I said. It just very unexpected. I guess that's probably what makes it the most scary is that you just don't see that coming. So it's new, and then of course they just make that suspense and and uh the payoff is just really good too because you kind of like are not sure what's going to happen next and and yeah just it makes it really weird yeah hell yeah and those films uh they use definitely some cgi but they use practical effects in the right spots too you know what i mean like uh as far as like not overdoing the ghosts like they could have made some weird cgi entity in the grudge and it would have ruined the film but the fact that they just like painted up like simple they made like very simple looking, you know, ghosts out of just, you know, actors and stuff like that, I think really played into yeah. the scariness of it and shit. Definitely. There was um, some good like corpses and stuff that they showed. And yeah. uh, and then, of course, they didn't uh, they managed not to like make anything really cheesy in the movie, which is like super easy to do. I feel like with especially uh, supernatural movies, because it's like mm. when you get too far into the anything can happen it's like well yeah and then and then you can make something really dumb if you you know think that everything could happen you know (laughs) yeah 
No, definitely. Like if the shit, they just start flying around and shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I I don't know exactly what to reference, but like you get it. We've all seen it where it's like everything's going all right, and then all of a sudden one scene happens, and you're just like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. What you mean. There's a movie called An American Haunting where uh, they're like uh, this family is being haunted and everything that happens is like it's like a ghost that you never see the actual entity and the whole time it's like a pretty scary movie i think like donald sutherland plays the dad and shit like that and um then finally there's a scene where the girl gets yanked out of bed and it's scary at first but then she gets literally picked up by her hair and slapped in the face like you don't see the ghost slapping her but you just hear smacking noises like fucking like three stooges style and i'm like why yeah. did they put that there like it's like psh, 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 you're like me and my uncle like we're watching it one night and we just like die laughing and then from from, from then on you're completely taken out of like the horror part of the movie you know what i mean everything is funny from then on so it's like yeah exactly or at least you just you can't feel like you can ever go back to the feeling before that yeah the tension is completely broken that was that they built pretty much but yeah exactly but so uh we uh talked about quite a few favorites if you have any others that you uh you know think of or that you want to you know add in you're more than welcome to i got a few uh hypothetical questions though at the end that i like to ask you know my guests if you're ready to dive into those oh yeah um oh. i was gonna say i i have this like stack of horror movies that i that i own i really love zombie movies i pretty much like i know the more or the longer the zombie genre got dragged out it kind of became dumber and dumber as it went on but like I really enjoy the George A. Romero stuff. Demons was one that I saw recently, and I've been meaning oh, yeah. to get more into uh, who is it, Dario Argento. Yeah, uh, he's one of the, um, I think it's actually directed by Lumberto Bava, but Dario Argento is like one of the like many, it's one of those movies that like six or seven different directors were like a part of, but uh, it's like Dario Argento presents Demons, but it's like actually directed by Lumberto Bava. And then like a couple other directors are also attached. I don't know. It's very weird, but uh, no, that's one of my favorites as well. I really enjoyed uh, Event Horizon. That was a great like sci-fi horror movie. I think everybody, you know, likes it or has probably seen it at least once. Yeah. And then, man, uh, I I love more supernatural shit than I do anything else. Like, uh, so for that reason, I really liked 1408. I really like, what else? The Others was cool. Um, it's not as scary as some of the other ghost movies, but I kind of liked that idea of not really knowing exactly where things are going. I think that was the first time where it was kind of like, oh, they're dead, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, you didn't really see that happening. Um, I had mentioned It Follows before, but I felt like uh, that's a really good one in like more recent times. Yeah. Um, and was shot here in Michigan, which uh, was kind of interesting to see uh, since I've been here for a number of years and uh, oh, yeah. kind of recognized some of the locations. And yeah, so so that was interesting. And And I feel like movies that can pull shit off, like make it scary on a budget is really fucking good like that's i think a really important thing to me is like the story the execution of what you can do with what you have and like you know being able to make something really scary out of just those elements because you're like you know you you crafted it so well you came up with the concept so well that like you could do it with these minimal requirements yeah. And then finally, I guess like one of, one of the last things I would throw into the mix is uh, Cabin in the Woods was fucking yeah. amazing. And I heard there was supposed to be a sequel a long time ago. And I guess I'm kind of glad they didn't do it because like, I don't know, unless it was as good as the first one. I just, you know, I couldn't really see it 
being great or like it would fall on its face if they didn't fucking outdo the first one or something, you know? Yeah. And also it's like the way that the first one ends, it's kind of like uh, I like the thought of like the world being like they ended the world, you know what I mean? Instead of like letting them win, you know, do what they were supposed to do pretty much. So like if they right. did a sequel, they like I'd, if they did a sequel, I wouldn't be uh, unhappy with it unless it like sucked, of course. But uh, I'd prefer them to do it like more of like a prequel story. That way they can kind of just show like them execute what they were supposed to execute. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I was wondering how they were going to manage to get around that ending as well. But, you know, if you are coming out with a sequel, then obviously you've got some kind of loophole for that. <laughs> yeah. Now, there could always be like, uh, you know, like from a different perspective or they could always do like the whole like the world's getting, you know, like as the world is ending, somebody has to do something to, you know, combat that but no i'd be definitely interested to hear what kind of idea they had you know at least if they even if they don't do it you know just kind of hear what they were throwing around yeah absolutely and um that's not like a, a twist ending but i was going to say another thing that i'm really into is uh twist endings and and uh because of that i fucking love like um the twilight zone that is like one of my oh, favorite yeah. tv shows ever because uh like i was saying the episode that made me get into the show was because of what they could do with what they had and how they made it was like mm. um this episode called i shot an arrow into the air and it's basically like these astronauts crash land on an asteroid and they're not sure how to get off or what they're going to do and um you know everybody starts kind of like mutinying against each other and by the end of it this guy who's going to like kill the captain uh, they're they're like trudging through this desert trying to find anything, and I think the the guy who was gonna kill the captain ends up like uh, passing out or dying or something like that. But before he dies, he draws like something weird in the sand, and then the captain like marches on without him and gets to a hilltop. And when he looks at the hilltop, he finds a road with uh, telephone poles, and it was like the guy was drawing telephone pole wires to try and let him know that like. Uh, hey we're actually on earth like there's yeah. civilization we'll be we're, we're gonna be all right and i was like holy fuck no wonder i mean because i was like well in the 60s you know they didn't have special effects that were gonna look very good so i can't imagine how they would make like an alien planet and you know it is what it is but by the end of it you're like they didn't have to do anything they literally wrote a story that could like incorporate everything they had at their fingertips and yeah. and it totally yeah. made it work you know hell yeah now I have to check that episode out. I uh, That's a show that I really like and enjoy, but I, I haven't seen like a shit ton of episodes. You know what I mean? Oh, it's totally worth it, man. Like, I think I think CBS took it back. So you're going to have to like get whatever subscription that is. But, yeah. dude, it's it's so good. Like, I've watched probably about 80 percent of it and oh, yeah. I love pretty much all of it. Yeah, no, I'll definitely dive into that for sure. That's uh, I always loved the you know movie that they did back in the 80s, you know, with uh, Aykroyd and what he was just in like the piece together part, but it was that part scared the shit out of me as a kid for sure, <laughs> yeah. And the gremlin uh, on the plane at the end of that movie was fucking horrifying, <laughs> yeah. No, that part was awesome. That, that's one that like almost every uh, like one of the, that's one of the few anthologies that I love, like every single part, like especially uh, I think my favorite one's the the kid that can pretty much like make anything happen with his mind it just always had a vibe oh, yeah. to that one that i'm like like from start to finish it just like makes you feel uncomfortable yeah for sure but, oh yeah so we're gonna uh, dive into the hypothetical questions um my first one is is if somebody approached you and said uh hey we want to make a music video for black dollar and murder and uh we, we pretty much want to make it a short film version of one of your favorite horror movies just remade into a music video featuring you guys 
Uh, what horror movie would you choose and how would you remake it into a music video? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, we actually have this concept and like, man, I almost am not sure if I would want to reveal it, but it's kind of too good to not talk about. Like, it's not even a horror movie, but it's got those aspects. So like, did you ever see the um, the German forklift operational safety videos? Oh, Okay, so, like, you have to look this up. Um, it's, like, a work safety comedy video. And I don't even know if it's, like, real in terms of they showed it to employees. But yeah. um, it's all in German. It's from probably, like, the early 80s, I would imagine. And basically, it's, like, this guy, and he's new on the job. And he's just making, like, every mistake you can make. And, of course, like, working with a forklift and other kind of, like, dangerous workplace, you know, items there's all these accidents that keep happening that he's causing. And so like, there's people getting their hands chopped off. There's people getting impaled. There's people like, I mean, this just is like a total goofy eighties horror movie type, like idea. And yeah. um, there's like a alarm bell that keeps ringing every time he makes a mistake. And at one point, like they throw like this huge splattering of blood up on it as it's like going <laughs> off. And by the end of it, it's just, utter chaos like this guy's lost control of a forklift and he speared someone on the end of the forklift and this guy's freaking out he also has a chainsaw and then like he is like accidentally chainsawing people and um you know it's just it's mayhem it's like people dying left and right in these ridiculous comical ways and we were talking about how it would be cool if we kind of like took that idea and made it like we're at a barbecue and just everything bad is happening. Like lighting the grill uh, makes, you know, the propane tank explode or something like that. And someone dies that way. And so like, man, the best that I could, you know, kind of like compare it to would be something like either dead alive or like bad taste or, uh, you know, just those, those Peter Jackson type movies. So I would yeah. say like, we would probably benefit from doing like dead alive or, or bad taste. And yeah, just kind of like hamming it up real hard with who dies and, and how and all that shit and plenty oh, of practical effects. Yeah. No, that'd be awesome as fuck. I can see, uh, I can pretty much envision exactly what you mean. I, now I'm like super interested in watching that video as soon as we end the uh, podcast. Cause that just sounds it's, awesome. It's so, it's so good. I, I don't know how more people haven't seen it. Oh yeah. No, no. Uh, Honestly, like an ode to bad taste would be dope, too, if you guys were the boys that they drop in at the beginning that kind of, like, fight off the aliens and shit. Totally. And uh, Trevor kind of already looks like the dude who uh, falls down the um, cliff face and has, like, his head bust open in the back. And he has to, like, push his brains back in. Oh, yeah, Derek. <laughs> yeah, and then just kind of goes nuts from there. Like, yeah, I was... Oh, that was like, that made me cringe when I saw that for the first time. Just like shoving your brains back in, trying to like put the skull flap back up. <laughs> he doesn't even like, he like tapes it or staples it or something. I don't know. He does something to try to like put it back, like to keep it there. It's funny as shit. Something really gruesome and stupid. But yeah, like it's something along those lines. And there's like, there's shit coming out too. Yeah. No, that, dude, <laughs> that dude in that movie is like a fucking complete badass that's the only reason i remember his name is because it was like uh that was one of the movies i watched on like one of those group chats was bad taste and everybody was like man Derek's a fucking badass like he don't he like he don't take shit <laughs> especially like after he busted <laughs> his fucking head open and shit 
But, right. I mean, like all that, all that uh, reasoning ability just goes out the window. You're basically like serial killer mode at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, that's one of the, uh, that's probably definitely one of like the funnest like horror comedies, especially like for being so low budget and everything, you know? Oh yeah. Fucking they knocked it out of the park with that. And I was watching some of the um, special features and I guess Peter Jackson made like a shitload of the um, props and, and the stuff that they used. He made like five, scale models of the house that they blow up or they launch into space at the end yeah like just amazing filmmaker does it all yeah now he shot that shit like almost completely by himself with like like over what was it like was it six years it was like a couple years or something like that yeah i'm not sure i just know it was one of his early ones so i'm sure it probably was like some weekend warrior type stuff no definitely yeah that's exactly what i think it was is like they would like he would film some shit during the weekend then write the rest of it throughout the week and then like the next weekend they film like the next parts of it and shit like that so it took him and he was playing multiple parts and he'd let his hair grow so he could like look different and shit so it was like it took him quite a bit of that i think that's why it took him like so long you know yeah it's definitely inspirational that's for sure no fuck yeah so, but uh so my next question is is uh would you you know either uh solo or you know with the rest of the dudes in uh you know, either of your bands, would you ever want to uh, compose a horror movie or, you know, even maybe do like a theme song for like, you know, a soundtrack for one? And, you know, if so, what kind of a horror movie would you want to do? Would you want to do like, a, you know, zombie movie, psychological, you know, like a, what kind of subgenre? I think whatever it would be, I think our strength lies in the like extreme, you know, sound that we have. And I think that it would have to be some kind of actiony type of horror movie i feel like maybe like a planet terror type of thing oh, yeah. would work for us really well um i think a slasher could work uh depending on what it is and i feel like a zombie movie just kind of encompasses all of that it's i mean like that's you know kind of planet terror but maybe a little bit more on the the horror side of things maybe not too like serious like you know Mm. Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead or something like that but something that could just benefit from having a a heavy um song in the mix that's not gonna like completely ruin the uh feel of the movie yeah um I think would probably be the most appropriate for for probably both of my bands I don't feel like we uh like my my idea of great horror soundtracks are uh ones that are just like super fucking unnerving and creepy like uh i think my favorite soundtrack that i've heard is soundtrack for the movie under the skin with uh, scarlett johansson oh my god it's like so fucking eerie with like just very dissonant screeching like uh violins that are kind of like electronically manipulated and looped it sounds like they took like a lo-fi you know record like tape recording and then like you can hear where it kind of like stops and starts and loops in a pattern to make like the song and and Mm. i feel like a band that would would create like super creepy ass music would be like um like imperial triumphant or like plebeian grandstand like some of those like really dissonant freaky ass black metal bands hell yeah now that'd be awesome though like you said to do something like kind of uh that fits that up you know that's something that has an upbeat pace that way like you said it doesn't take you out of the film like even uh like the back half of mandy would be something that would be sick to like see you guys do i don't know if you ever checked that one out but uh yeah for sure and yeah there's definitely some parts where i think something like 
slow and heavy could really, you know, benefit uh, some of those parts. No, definitely for sure. So uh, my final question for you is, uh, do you have any horror stories of your own? And, you know, they could be from something for, you know, from being on the road or in the studio with the guys, or it could be something, you know, that was just scary as shit to happen to you in your life. And uh, if you have something paranormal, you're more than welcome to share that as well. Yeah, I definitely have a uh, paranormal story. And it's like, to me, it's like, without a doubt, you know, confirmation Mm -hmm. of some weird ass shit. So like, me and my friends were hanging out at uh, his house. It was like me, his uh, girlfriend at the time and him. And he had just moved into this house, you know, and had only been living there for maybe like a year or a little bit less. And yeah, we were just kind of sitting there. I never really heard anything about this house or instances of anything happening, but it was really weird. We were all smoking weed. And, 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 uh, I was just sitting there and I thought I was having like one of those weird high thoughts that just like come out of nowhere. Yeah. But like, I was looking at this, um, this broom that was like leaning against, it was leaning into a corner. So like, you know, 90 degree angle, like broom is leaning into it and it, and like this thought that just popped into my head when I looked at it was like, that thing is propped in the corner pretty well. Like I bet it couldn't fall over. And I don't know why the fuck I thought of something so mundane and specific, but like that just came into my brain Mm. and we're all sitting there talking and like not even five minutes later, the broom that is like kind of only a few feet away from all of us. Cause it was a small room. Mm. Um, It just, we uh, were talking and all of a sudden, like I see this broom just like, lift itself from its like leaning propped position up and it stands up and stands there for a second on its own and then it just falls in the opposite direction toward me yeah and i was like what the fuck like i just we all looked at each other and we stopped talking we were just like okay we all saw that right like (laughs) it was just so fucking bizarre and um after that my friend was like yeah, like, I've had a lot of weird shit happening here. Like, there's uh, a guy, or there's, like, a, a shadowy figure that, like, appears in my living room, and it, like, you can hear him breathing. And I see, like, the shadow figure around my house sometimes, and I think he was saying, like, doors have slammed, and just, like, weird stuff like smoke and things would like appear around the house and i don't know what the deal with that um property was but yeah he he said that there was creepy shit he said that his landlord said that there was creepy shit and um that was like the first undeniable experience that i've ever had kind of like the only one too that had happened especially also with other people so like i'd say that's probably the creepiest thing that i've ever experienced in my life yeah, fuck that shit. I would have been like, dude, throw the broom in the trash. We can't have this anymore. <laughs> it's an omen. Yeah, well, <laughs> the fact that I had some kind of like, you know, precognitive thought about this thing happening or, or something, you know, like getting some kind of like hint or warning or whatever. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. What's uh, what's crazy is uh, I was just thinking the other day and I've never told this story on the podcast. So I'll tell it to you like super quick. It's not a paranormal story, but um what's it's not funny at all but uh i had the same kind of thing happen where like i was driving down the street and i looked across the street and i saw this kid on a bike and like it was uh me and a car full of people and we were on the way 
I want to say we were onto a fucking on the way to like an arcade or something in town because like I'm in a small town. So like at that point, there wasn't much, but it's built up. Anyways, that's beyond the point. So we we're on the way to town and uh, I look over and I see this kid on a bike and I'm like, you can hardly see him. Like, I feel like he's about to get hit by a car. And like right after I said that a car comes up and like smokes the kid. And like so like right, like right as that happened, we were like going on to like this little bridge. So like, of course, I like sped through the bridge, turned around, came back and like. We stayed with them until the cops came and stuff like that. And like when we approached them, I had to approach them because the two people with, well, there's three people with me, my buddy, his wife, and uh, another buddy of us, ours that was like visiting in town. So uh, my buddy and the, our friend visiting, they were like kind of squeamish. So they were worried he was going to be like really busted up. So they stayed back and me and uh, my buddy's wife went up there and he was like real scraped up and shit, but he was just more out of it. Like he tried to get up. And I told him, I was like, dude, don't get up. I was like, somebody hit you with your car, with a car. And he was like, you hit me with your car. I was like, no, somebody hit you with a car. I was like, I, I, <laughs> the cops. I was like, but don't move in case like, you know, there's worse things, you know, I don't want you to hurt yourself worse. And uh, luckily yeah. he, was, he like, listened. he just like kind of laid there and waited. So, but, and they so showed up. All right, then? Yeah. Uh, I think my little cousin, he ended up being only like 17 or 18. So my little cousin was in high school with him. And she said that he ended up like uh, when he came back to high school, like, he came like back to school like the following week and was like fine and everything. He was just scraped up real bad. But that's so trippy though. And and actually that reminds me of another story too. Uh it was it's kind of the same thing where like you know something's gonna happen. Um like the premiere night of um the dark night, I mm. like I really want to go see that movie, but I was working and uh, I was doing everything I desperately could to get to the movie theater. And they were doing like a raffle night, uh, showing like all these other Batman movies before the dark night so mm. they could make an event out of it. Um, I ended up showing up like at the last second before uh they decided to start playing the movie, but uh when I when I was walking to the movie theater, like after I'd parked my car and everything, I have this really weird sense of like, I feel like something good is going to happen to me. Like, I don't know why it just like, it hit me. And I was like, I feel like something good is about to happen. Like, I don't know when or whatever. It just, I have this sense. So like I went into the movie theater and um, I decided to get like a drink and uh, they were like, Oh, here's your raffle ticket. Like uh, you get one of these with uh, buying concessions. And so I was like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. So like I go and sit down next to my friend and they're calling off, you know, raffle ticket numbers uh, before the movie starts. And as soon as they started reading numbers, I was like, it's going to be my ticket. Like, I know it's going to be my ticket. And then all of a sudden they finished the string of numbers and lo and behold, it was my ticket. And oh, I yeah. ended up winning like the grand prize of the night. It was, yeah, it was super bizarre. But like the fact that you just know something is going to happen you get that feeling and then it, and then it does happen. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely fucks with you. It's like, uh, especially even when it's a good thing, it's like, like, damn, like it makes you all, almost uh, like, I don't know, like you look for that feeling more often when the good shit happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels like you're in the matrix or, or you have some kind of fucking, I don't know, like dead zone ability or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Or six sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But well, no, nah, man, I appreciate you for uh, coming on the show and sharing and everything. You want to remind people uh, about your Twitch, you know, that way if they want to check it out. Right. Um, so I'm on Twitch. My handle is um, Alan Cassidy TBDM. I'm on YouTube, Alan Cassidy. I'm on Instagram. You can find me as Alan Cassidy or Pukaki. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I have a Facebook uh, artist page, which is just Alan Cassidy Drummer. 
yeah. Um, I'm also selling coffee right now with our tour manager and oh, yeah. um, that's under the name Malaka Coffee, M-A-L-A-K-A. And um, he's doing an artist series right now with me and the last 10 seconds of life. Uh, and I was selling a, a bundle with um, drumsticks and coffee, but I have sold out of the drumsticks that I had with the coffee. So right now it's just coffee, but like, it's great fucking stuff. Really, really good. And yeah, I, I think um, that's, that's pretty much all that's going on right now. Oh yeah. And I'll make sure to put a link to the coffee in the description. So that way, if somebody wants to pick some up, you know, it'd be make it easier for them. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah. But no, man, I appreciate you for sure. Have a good day. All right, cool. Thanks, man. And as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening and make sure you check back next week as my guest is going to be the one and only Malachi, guitar player for the brand new California-based hardcore band, Scowl. And don't forget, if you want to show some support, you can do it by picking up some merch or signing up for the Patreon. Links to both of those will be in the description. Or you can do it the free way by just going to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or leaving a review over on Apple or Facebook. So I appreciate it a ton. Go check out Loudmouth Threads who killed this original podcast artwork and stay safe.